Turning your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 19, verse 28. I am going to begin a new series in uh, the Gospel of Luke, and I'm calling it Doctor's Orders Part 3. The reason I'm doing that is Luke, the writer of the third gospel, was a doctor, and he's giving us his marching orders, and it's the third series that we've done. Most of you realize Luke is really in three major sections. You have the early Galilean ministry. Then you have a second middle part, which is his journey from Galilee, moving down towards Jerusalem. And the last part is found beginning in verse uh, 28 of our chapter, which is his final week prior to his death and resurrection. And so we are going to begin and conclude uh, the Gospel of Luke. Now, prior to my extended time away from the pastor being here uh, in India and also on vacation, we were in the book of Jeremiah, and we had gotten through about 31 chapters of Jeremiah. We will conclude Jeremiah after the first of the year when we finish here. Now, why do I do that? Well, I try to present material both in the Hebrew Scriptures and in the New Testament throughout the year so that we have what we call the full counsel um, of God throughout the year. So uh, many times, a book like Luke, which has 24 chapters, it has taken me three times to kind of march through it rather than spending a year and a half in Luke. So I, I kind of bounce around. I hope that doesn't uh, disturb you. And then uh, Jeremiah, I think, is 63 uh, chapters, I believe, uh, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to take us a little while, so we'll kind of chew on that uh, in little pieces. So Old Testament, New Testament is the format we have here um, at Calvary Chapel Mission Viejo. So in verse 28, we pick up the story as Jesus is about to enter Jerusalem for the last time. He's been in Jerusalem many times. He's brought there as a young man. Uh, and also in his ministry, he's traveled to Jerusalem. But this is his last time that he'll be in Jerusalem prior to his death and resurrection. Now, in this section, we're going to see that at this moment, Jesus' life takes a radical turn for the worst. Radical turn for the worst. This is a very difficult week. This is the week in which he will be uh, betrayed and uh, tortured, crucified. Very, very difficult week. And in this week, he shows us his character. (laughs) Character. And he also gives us some guidelines and what he thinks is important. Now, the reason I say that is oftentimes who you really are doesn't come out in the good times. Amen? I mean, we all seem like very pleasant people. We're very loving and kind and patient, long-suffering, all the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? During good times. However, when push comes to shove, when somebody really shakes our tree, or circumstances of events happen that really stumble us, then oftentimes who we really are comes out. Isn't that true? Now, if I was carrying a bucket of water or, say, a bucket of liquid or some sort of liquid on my shoulders and I was carrying it this high and I started carrying it throughout the congregation, you couldn't see what's in the bucket, right? Until 
Maybe I was walking and I <clears throat> tripped, and then it'll all pour out on poor Eric. Then we'd know it was a bucket of molasses. Or whatever happened to me. Well, that's true also for us, isn't it? It isn't until we're tripped up. It isn't until somebody shakes our tree. It isn't time till maybe the boss gives us a pink slip or maybe the doctor calls us in for that second vow that um, our character shows up. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about it from the life of Jesus I see four qualities, four qualities of Jesus in this passage that shows us what type of person he was. Because this is a difficult week. He knew it was going to be a bad week. He'd been talking about his disciples for weeks about that, how it was going to be hard when he got to Jerusalem. He knew it was going to be a difficult, but he shows who he really is. And he shows also what he thinks is important. What's really important? He gives us some guidelines for qualities. Let's take a look at it. Let's read the text, verses 28 through the end of the chapter, and then we'll take a peek at how Jesus handles a very, very, very difficult week. After he had said these things, he was going on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he approached Bethany and Bethpage, near the mount called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village ahead of you and there as you enter you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, the owners said to him, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord has need of it. They brought it to Jesus and they threw their coats on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he was going, they were spreading their coats on the road. As soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen, shouting, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. And when he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they've been hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will be throw up a barricade against you, and surround you and hem you in on every side. They will level you to the ground, your children within you. They will not leave one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling, saying to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a robber's den. And he was teaching daily in the temple. But the chief priests and the scribes And the leading men among the people were trying to destroy him. They could not find anything that they might do, for all the people were hanging on every word he said. First thing that we see, first quality that we see in Jesus, Jesus refuses to compromise with either his words or his actions. Jesus refuses to compromise with either his words or his actions. We see that in verses 28 through 40 and also 45 through 48. 
As I said, Jesus knew that the religious leaders were out to get him. Jesus knew that. And he could have entered in Jerusalem quietly, unnoticed, kind of underneath the radar. Come in, have the Passover, it was Passover season with his disciples, have a nice warm fellowship time, and quietly slip out of town. Didn't do that. Didn't do that. What does he do? He gets a colt, he sits on it, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And as he enters in Jerusalem, all the people are, his disciples are crying out. What are they saying? Blessed is the name of the Son who comes, the name of the Lord who comes in the, the name of the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven. The Pharisees tell him, shh, hey, keep those people quiet. He says, no, 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 no. They be quiet, even the stones will cry out. And then, to compound everything, he goes into the temple and he casts out the money changers and those who were selling doves and little lambs for the sacrifices. He knew the atmosphere was going to be hostile in Jerusalem, but he did not allow that to cause him to, sell, to compromise either his words or his actions. Now, the temptation for us is the same, isn't it? When we find ourselves in a place where mm, we know our faith is looked down upon. Have you ever found yourself in a place where maybe, maybe at the lunchroom at work, you go in the lunchroom and there's a bunch of people. They're over there and they're your fellow workers and they're talking about, say, they're talking about a, maybe a culture issue like homosexuality or abortion and they're really saying, you know, it's, you know, those pro-aborts, they're, you know, those, those guys got it right. They, those pro-life guys, they're so against it. They're so out of it. And, and those bigoted, hateful people, those Christians, what are you going to do? Well, we're not going to say, well, I won't deny my faith, but maybe you just quietly pick up your lunch and move to another table. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know what you're going to say is really going to cause a ruckus. See, the temptation is there. Or perhaps in the cul-de-sac where you live, some of the neighbors are talking about the political scene, and they begin to make fun of perhaps some of the candidates who are expressing their faith in Jesus. And you know, if you say something, it's going to cause a ruckus. Not that you would deny your faith. Oh, of course not. You would never deny Jesus. But maybe you just kind of slip under the radar and just keep it quiet. Don't do that. Don't do that. Why is that? Because Jesus gives us an example. He knew the atmosphere in Jerusalem was not good. It was not good for him. But he didn't compromise what he believed and what he did and what he said. That's the first reason. The second reason is oftentimes those situations come up and they're from the Lord. And he has brought them into your life not to cause you more trouble, but to bless you. (laughs) Why do I say that? Well, Troubles come and troubles go. You know that? You finish one problem, and what do you get? Another problem. That's the way life is, isn't it? Jesus said in the Bible, what did he say? In this world you will have 
tribulations, troubles. But be of good cheer, I have what? Overcome the world. How, how so? How so? Jesus doesn't compromise. Notice what happens. Notice what happens in verse 38. He stands up for the Lord and people are blessing the Lord, <laughs> praising the Lord. Look at verse 48. The people were hanging on his every word. Oftentimes, God allows those situations. He gives you an opportunity to open what I call the windows of heaven. Let a little light into your life. Sometimes you're going to have trouble whether you say anything or you don't say anything. And he has given you that opportunity to testify to him and he will bless you for it. He will bless you for it. He will give you an opportunity to testify to his goodness and you'll sense the presence and the blessings of God. So don't miss that. That's not an opportunity to make things worse. In a bad day, in a bad situation perhaps, it's an opportunity for you to see the presence of God in the lunchroom, in the cul-de-sac or wherever you find yourself especially when maybe things are not going so well, especially when, you know, you heard that there's some cutbacks coming in the company and you know if you'd speak up, maybe they'll look at you as some sort of weirdo. Maybe he needs to go or she needs to go. No, no, no. No, 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 no. You don't compromise. That's what Jesus did. He gives us an example that we might follow. Second quality we see is verses 28 through 48. Jesus went out of his way to keep God's word. Jesus went out of his way to keep God's word. Now this, is, this quality is somewhat connected to the first one, but I wanted to separate it to point out how important it was that he saw God's word as key. What do I mean? Well, look, let's take a look at the text. In verses 28 through 34, Jesus comes in on a colt. Now, he had walked all the way down from Galilee to Jerusalem. A couple of days' journey by walking. He gets to the Mount of Olives, and then he gets a, a colt to ride on. What's with the colt, Jesus? What are you doing? Last couple hundred yards, you got to ride? What, what's the deal? Well, those of us who know the Bible know that in Zechariah 9.9 it says when the Messiah comes and he presents himself he makes a legitimate offer as being your king and being the Messiah he will do what? He'll ride into Jerusalem on a call. Jesus, even in the midst of his difficult week made sure he kept God's word. Look at verses 35 through 44. Jesus refuses to quiet the disciples. And then he says these phrases, even I tell you, if these become silent, his disciples, even the stones will cry out. Then here, this phrase in verse 44, he talks about Jerusalem and the people of Jerusalem not realizing or recognizing the time of your visitation. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, if we know the Bible, in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, Daniel is given a prophecy, kind of a timeline, of when the Messiah, when the king will come to Jerusalem and present himself. Most Bible scholars, 
reputable Bible scholars recognize as they count the days down, as they count the calendar items, that this day, the very day that Jesus came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, on that day was the exact day that was prophesied by Daniel. This was the day. And so Jesus says, hey, listen, this is the, this is the day. This is the day I'm coming. It's a great day and my disciples are going to praise you. And this is the time of your visitation. I am coming and presenting myself as your king and as the Messiah, as the long-awaited Messiah. Jesus went out of his way specifically to keep God's word, even when things were not going too well for him. And he knew it. He knew this was going to be a bad week. Look at verses 45 through 48. Jesus cleanses the temple. Now what's going on here? It says he drove out those who were selling. Well, the common practice was many of the people would come from far distant areas. They wouldn't have an animal to sacrifice. So there would be properly cleansed animals. There were animals without defect that were available in Jerusalem for those who wanted to make a sacrifice. So they would purchase the animals when they get there. Now, also, there were money changes there. Why did they need to change the money? Well, many of the Greek coins and the Roman coins had pictures of pagan gods. And the Jews didn't want to put those in the temple as an offering. So they would take their pagan money and change it to money that didn't have (laughs) pagan gods on it to put in the offering. And so you had money changers who were there for that process. Not a bad idea. However, there was two problems wrong. Notice what he says. You've made it a robber's den. They were exorbitantly charging money. They were gouging the people because they knew they needed a sacrifice. They knew they needed changing money and they they were robbing them. They were scamming them. That was happening in the temple of God. Also, this process was taking place in what they called the court of the Gentiles. Most of us know this. The court of the Gentiles was a place where the Gentiles could come and seek the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They couldn't go any further in the temple. That's as close as they could get. Everybody else had to be a Jew to get even closer into the inner court. But the Gentiles could come there. Well, when they came there to seek God, what did they find? They found a bunch of animals and people haggling about money. So Jesus drives them out. Now, the quote that's uh, listed in in, uh, verse 46 is from Isaiah 56, 7. Jesus says, And it is written in my house shall be called a house of prayer. If you go back to Isaiah 56, 7, he left out one thing. You shall let, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, for all the people, for all the Gentiles. And Jesus cleanses the temple, keeping God's word. He went out of his way to keep God's word. Now, the temptation for us is we be, when things begin to get a little rough, a little bumpy, what happens? Oftentimes, the first thing to be cut 
is the things of the Lord. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, here, let me give you an example. Now, maybe you're at work, and maybe you own a company, and you're making bids on different jobs, okay? You're making bids. But you become aware that many of your uh, competitors are fudging on the, uh, on the bids, hoping that if they get the job later on, they can add more money onto it to make a profit. Or maybe they're even doing something illegal in the, in the, in the bids. Maybe they're using uh, labor forces that are not proper to use for that, perhaps, that government job. You find that out. What are you going to do? Well, I, I hate, you know, Pastor Neil, this is just business. Really? So you go against God's word and lie and cheat? Is that what you're going to do? Well, Pastor Neil, you know, business is business. Oh, really? That's not what Jesus did. Or maybe this. Here's another one. Uh, you and your mate are going to get away, uh, do a little getaway for the weekend. You really deserve it. You've been working hard. Things are a little difficult, little limbs, little slim. You've been tightening your belt. And so to kind of fund the getaway, uh, that missionary offering that you were going to give kind of goes to fund your little getaway for the weekend. Or maybe you were going to put an offering in that Sunday morning, but since you're in church, ah, oh, well, whatever. We'll just spend it on a nice dinner for me and my mate. Or how about this? That's not convicting enough? (laughs) Maybe you've got a really heavy day coming next day and you know it's going to be heavy. And uh, the pressure is on. You know it's going to be heavy. So you kind of stay up a little later watching this favorite TV show, enjoying the rest and relaxation because you know tomorrow's going to be very difficult. Rather than going to bed early getting a good night's sleep so you can get up an hour early so you could spend some time in God's Word and prayer in light of that difficult day that you're facing. See, oftentimes what gets cut out is what? God. God gets cut out. God's Word gets cut out in difficult times. Jesus went out of His way to keep God's Word in a very, very difficult week. Number three. Jesus had real compassion for the lost. Jesus had real compassion for the lost. Look at verses 41 through 44. Now the Bible tells us that the Lord is not wishing that any should perish. Not wishing that any should perish. Jesus looks at the city, which will, in just a few short days, reject him and allow him to be persecuted tortured and crucified, and he weeps over those same people. He has real compassion for the lost. The reason I say that, the temptation for us, especially when we see those people who are against us, who are opposed to us, maybe at work or in the neighborhood, or even a family member who opposes us and gives us lots of trouble. You know what we think of? Uh, you, we consign him to the lowest part of hell. Not so with Jesus. He did everything he possibly can. He wasn't willing that any should perish. He wasn't happy. He weeps for the city of Jerusalem because he, they're going to reject him. But he has done everything possible 
in his three years of ministry to try and convince his Jewish friends and neighbors and relatives that he is the Messiah. He has done everything possible, even raising people from the dead. And after he is killed and resurrected, he tells his disciples, what does he tell his disciples? Ah, forget those Jewish people. We wrote those off. No. What does he say? I want you to be a witness. Where? Starting where? In Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and then the other post parts of the world. Christ has compassion for the lost, especially for those, especially for those who are giving him trouble. Now, how can we do this? Well, we can begin to pray. Pray that the Lord changes our cold hearts, especially towards those who are giving us problems. Pray for them. They're lost. They need Jesus. Pray for ourselves that the Lord would change our hearts. Something else we could do? Invite them to church. Consistently invite them to church. Now, they tell us in surveys that most people who are sitting in church, at a church on Sunday morning, some of them, a few people, have come because of radio programs and TV programs. Some have come because of crusades, like the Harvest Crusades. Some have come because of crusades. A majority have come because a friend or a family member brought them to church. Most folks, most folks who are in church today, this Sunday morning, have come because somebody befriended them and asked them to come to church with them. And my covenant with you is 99% of the times I will give them an opportunity to receive Christ if you'll bring them. So we bring them to church. Just bring, say, hey, let's go to church and I'll pick up breakfast for you afterwards. Bring them to church. Here's another thing. Support a missionary. Both here in the United States, we have missionaries on our board who are involved in, in pro-life and reaching kids for Christ and uh, being involved in education ministries. We have missionaries overseas, Mexico and the Philippines and Indonesia and France. Support a missionary, somebody who's reaching people for Christ. Pray for that missionary. Adopt them. Be involved. Show a real heart for the lost. It's really easy to say, yeah, I'm really concerned about how this world is going. Put your, now don't get offended, put your money where your mouth is. If you're concerned for the lost, okay, do it. Make a difference. With the economy going down, many of our missionaries are really struggling, especially with the dollar going through the, going through the floor. They need people praying for them. They need people supporting them. They're out there reaching people for Jesus. Do you have a heart for the lost? Jesus did. Take a step of faith. Here's another one. Go on a short-term mission. Oh, now you've moved past preaching to meddling. <laughs> Take a short, go on a short-term missions trip. This Thanksgiving, we're going down to Ensenada, Mexico to minister at Rancho Agua Viva and uh, also 
at uh, Mount of Olives Christian Church in Ensenada. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Take a, take a chance. Take a step of faith. Stretch yourself. Oh, I can't go to Mexico. Why not? Oh, I just, oh, I can't. Really? How about this? Okay, then here's another opportunity. Go to Thailand. <laughs> in January, where Gary and his dear wife are, they're, they're putting a trip together for Thailand. Oh, get a little taste of what it's like to be a missionary. It'll change your life. Well, here's another one. Could you take this Bible that's in your lap and if somebody asks you, what does it mean to be a Christian? Could you use this Bible to help them come and find Jesus Christ? Could you do it? Could you do it? Do you know here on Wednesday nights, we have a class called Evangelism Explosion where we'll teach you very specifically and practically how to use this Bible to lead someone to Christ. Jesus had real compassion for the lost. Finally, Jesus sought to honor the Lord. Verses 45 through 48. When Jesus entered the temple, as I said, he saw it being used as a scam for the worshipers and also was hindering the Gentiles. He had pressing problems, but the Lord's temple was being used in a way that was dishonoring to the Lord. Dishonoring to the Lord. What an awful thing to happen. In the house of the Lord. And so in spite of his pressing problems, he sought to honor the Lord by cleansing the temple. Now all of us have problems, as I was saying. Problems come and problems go. (laughs) That's just the way life is. It's not one thing, it's another thing. Jesus tells us in the parable of the soils, you know what he says? If you focus on the cares of this world, can I rephrase that? If you focus on the troubles of living in this world, and that's your whole focus, guess what, that, what happens? The fruit is choked out. There's no fruit. If that's your only focus, oh, oh I got too many problems. I, I can't help with the nursery. I can't help with Sunday school. I got too many problems. I know, Pastor, no, I got to focus on my problems. Fruit will be chosen. I can't be involved in ministry here. I can't help in the uh, downstairs with the youth workers. I can't help with uh, this here. I can't be involved in, in being an usher or helping with a care ministry or just in, I'm just too busy. Oh, really? Jesus says, the cares of this world will choke out the fruit. Ask yourself this question. Do I honor the Lord in how I treat people? Do I honor the Lord in how I treat people? In the neighborhood? My business? Here at the church? My actions honoring to the Lord? Jesus, in the midst of his troubles, made sure he gave honor to the Lord. The only offense that we should give, you know what the only offense we should give? is the offense of the cross. The offense of the cross. Death and resurrection of Jesus. We should honor the Lord. Okay. Difficult week for Jesus. 
Let me make uh, two applications. First conclusion. 1 Peter 2.21 says this. 1 Peter 2.21, you might want to look at it when you get home, says that Christ left us an example that we should walk in his steps. Christ left us an example that we should walk in his steps. You got a bad week coming up? Guess what? So did Jesus. What did he do? He didn't compromise with either his words or his actions. He went out of his way to keep God's word. He showed real compassion for the lost. And in his actions and his words, he sought to honor the Lord. That's my first conclusion. Second conclusion, perhaps you're thinking, well, you know, that was Jesus. He, you know, he had character. Uh, Pastor Neil, I'm nowhere near that. Okay, that's valid. You're nowhere near Jesus. (laughs) Neither am I. But let me read a scripture. Romans chapter 5. You might want to turn there for just a minute. I think I can finish. Yeah, I'm going to get close up here. This is the last scripture I'm going to read. Romans 5.1 Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exalt in the hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we exalt in tribulations, knowing that tribulations bring perseverance. Here it comes. And perseverance... Proven character. (laughs) Gotcha. Proven character. And character hope, and hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Two things we can notice here. First, he says... In order to do this, you need to be born again. You need to have peace with God. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the first thing he says, the first step in moving in this direction is having peace with God through our our Lord Jesus Christ. And the love of God will be poured into our hearts. But then notice he goes on. And he says, now, having peace with God, we exalt in the hope of the glory of God and we exalt in our tribulations. Why does he say that? Because tribulations brings perseverance and perseverance brings character. (laughs) Character. The kind of character, the kind of character that in your worst week you'll not compromise. Your worst week you'll keep God's word. In the most difficult time you'll have compassion for the lost. And you'll seek to honor the Lord with your words and your actions. just thought I'd want to tell you that this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, 
whenever we see the life of Jesus, it always so convicting. But we thank you for the love of Christ because it's of his love and his character that we find ourselves in the kingdom of God. May the words of Jesus and his actions burn in our hearts. Draw us near to you. Fill us with your love. Give us the strength as you pour out your love in our hearts to go through these tribulations and persevere and become the character that we've longed to be. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.